Welcome to episode 25 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We're discussing the 2018 Wells Fargo Championship. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and resident podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan from a Good Talk Spoiled podcast. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Steve and Barry. How are you doing, guys? Good evening, guys. It's our silver anniversary already. Can you believe that? 25 episodes. That flies by, eh? It does when you're not getting winners. I know that uh, I know that Billy Horshaw, uh, he stitched me up again this week, but that, we won't go into the detail just yet. Right, some housekeeping before we move ahead. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Search for golf betting or golf betting tips. Uh, Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf, Paul is at Golf Betting, and Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. We're available on, this podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android users, Player FM, and also Podtail. Now, we keep saying this, and uh, it's true, every time somebody adds a very nice uh, review or any kind of review on iTunes. We read it out and this is the latest one. We're now up to five stars in terms of our score, gentlemen. Uh, this is the latest comment. Top job, boys. I've given you five stars. This is from JUBK1023. And he says, I listen every Tuesday morning from Costa Rica. It's a really enjoyable show. If you want a guest from this side of the pond, let me know. I don't think we could afford the uh, call fees, could we, boys? <laughs> Global reach, eh? Global reach. Global reach, Costa Rica. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Any any uh, any positive comments? We will always read them out before we start each and every episode. On top of that, of course, if you're listening to this on Podbean, if you would like to like and subscribe, or you'd like to subscribe on iTunes as well, we it would be most welcome. Right then. Uh, I'm back from my holiday. Very pleasant it was too. Um, it wasn't so pleasant to see Billy Horshaw win the uh, the uh, Zurich Classic yesterday after I tipped him up the week before, but that's the kind of run that's happening at the moment. Uh, we've got a very good tournament this week, gentlemen. I always like this one, the Wells Fargo Championship. And for 2018, it's returned to its true home, of course, Quail Hollow, club which uh, played where they played the uh, PJ Championship last year which of course Justin Thomas won. Um, is it a tournament that you guys uh, are into this week? I know that we're not covering the Golf Sixes on the European Tour. Yeah. Um, Compared to the Golf Sixes it's like a breath of fresh air isn't it? So uh, yeah it's one that I tend to, to watch quite quite avidly um, you know going back um, I think you mentioned it in the in your preview the, uh, the year that Rory won where where he only just made the cut, didn't he? And then just had a blistering weekend um, to uh, to take the title. And I think that was his first PGA Tour title back at the time, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, it was. I think he shot something silly like 65-62. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Mad awesome. Weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. Tough that, old course, and he just ripped it to shreds over the weekend, didn't he? 2010, that was. Mm. I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was an amazing performance. That's the thing with this tournament, chap, chaps. There is something in this. I mean, uh, I will place my link to uh, my betting preview that we put up at, uh, just after five o'clock on Monday afternoon over here in the UK. But there's definitely something here about value. Um, 
I'll go from Brian Harmon last year. I know he won at um, Eagle Point, but that's not the point. In terms of the tournament odds, Harmon won at 80-1. to 1. James Hahn, back in 2016, that was a total bolt from the blue. I think he'd got like eight miscuts on the bounce. He landed at 500-1. to 1. That's the way he wins, uh, though, Jimmy Hahn, isn't it? Yeah, he does absolutely. Like to, he does like to produce off the back of a, a string of missed cuts. McElroy in 2015 was 7-2, to two, but then you've got JB Holmes, 2014, 66s. Derek Ernst was another crazy price at 500-1 to one in 2013, and no one's ever heard of him ever since. Uh, Ricky Fowler, 50-1 to one in 2012, and 2011 was Lucas Glover at 110-1. to one. And McElroy, who we were just talking about, his first PGA Tour win was 66-1. to one. And this is one thing I have noticed about this tournament. You can go all the way back to Anthony Kim. Do you remember him? Oh, what a player. What a player Anthony Kim was, yeah? He uh, he won this back, I believe, in 2007. Oh, sorry, 2008. And that was his first PGA Tour title back then. You then had McElroy in 2010 who won his first title, as did Ricky Fowler in 2012. Uh, or tw- no, it wasn't. It was, yeah, it was 2012. So you've got this kind of thing here where um, first-time winners and class players have used this as a stepping stone to, to actually garner their first title over in the States. Something that might be worth looking at this this week um, with the likes of you know players of Alex Noren standard playing this week, Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah, some yeah, of these guys deep. have you're coming over. Not, yeah, some of them have been over from the European Tour for a while, haven't they? But uh, still haven't managed to get that that first victory. Um, but, but well capable, clearly. Yeah, you got Fleetwood, who's the shortest in terms of price. He's the uh, the shortest in terms of first time PGA Tour winners. But you have got Alex Noren. He's at fifty to one. I'm seeing. Uh, then we're out to the likes. Of Luke List at eighty to one with Unibet. Unibet are doing it again, aren't they? They're very out of kilter on prices. Yeah, you know that they can be crazily short compared to other bookmakers, or they can be crazily long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting market. Full stop this week, isn't it? With, um, mm. with Paddy Power stepping up to the plate with eight places each way, um, a fifth of the odds, which um, which is within right, is the best in the market out there at the moment. Um, which is kind of throwing the gauntlet back down to the other other bookies, particularly Coral, who've been uh, traditionally going seven, um, and they're sitting there without a market at the moment. So uh, we're still waiting to see exactly how they're going to play it this week. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read out... We don't tend to do this uh, as often as probably we should, but I'm just going to read out um, this week's published predictor model for the Wells Fargo. This is, this is uh, my published predictor, which I pulled together... Uh, this morning as part of my research, uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Again, there's a link through to the predictor this week uh, in the description in Podbean. Uh, um, Taylor made you can basically use this to your heart's content, free of charge. Loads of stats thrown into it, history on the course, how good they are on Bermuda Greens, how good they are on classical golf courses, par 72 positive, how good they are on Carolina golf courses. All this information is available. Uh, plus, course key stats, you know, driving accurate, greens and regulation, putting average, scrambling. Um, these are the top ten that I came out with based on the weightings that I thought were important. 
Uh, some of the names are interesting. I know that some of the names that I'm about to read up, you guys are interested in as well. Ten is Chess and Hadley. Nine is Luke List. Eight is Benny Ann. Seven is Brian Harmon, defending champion. Six is Trey Mullinax, who's on a fantastic run. Five is Rory McIlroy. We know he's a two-time winner here. Four is Tommy Fleetwood. Three is Kevin Streelman, who, from a point of hitting tons and tons of greens and being able to putt like Ray Charles, has now turned the other way and he's putting brilliantly and not hitting as many greens. Two is Tony Finau. Number one, the PGA champion from last year on this golf course, it's Justin Thomas. So Thomas Finau and Streelman round out the top three of this week's published predictor model. What are your thoughts, gentlemen, around what are the key attributes needed on this golf course? Because it's clearly a classical design, it's tree-lined, it's very, very long. Um, and at the PGA Championship last year, of course, it played to its new format, which is a par 71. And um, on top of that, it played very, very firm and fast. What, what kind of key stats or key skill sets are you looking at in terms of players that you're interested in this week? What? I'm like, honestly, I probably sound like a broken record at this stage, but um, on a golf course that's going to be playing quite tough, disaster avoidance. Keep those double bogeys off the cards because it's you know you can recover from a single bogey, but on a golf course that won't offer up a massive amount of birdie chances between the par threes and the par fours, you're then limited to gaining back your drop shots on the par fives as you know they're your realistic chances of getting back your drop shots. Uh, It'll be interesting with this not playing as you know a major standard this week. Whether they soft, not soften the course, but just take the sharp edges off it, I guess, and let them sc- yeah. score a little bit more. And you know, Justin mm-hmm. Thomas won at eight under in the cha- PJ Championship last year, so be interesting if they let them get into like the low teens. Yeah, it should be one of two, two, two or three shots better. I thought maybe. Yeah, maybe, I, it makes better, yeah, it makes better. for a better spectacle that way as well. You know, for from an entertainment point of view. And yeah, so I think with the PGA Championship, they tend to try and get a target score of circa ten under to mm. be the winning score. So they kind of achieved that. It was it was quite tricky, wasn't it? But yeah, I think you're right. I think it, I think it won't be set up quite as. Uh, uh, quite as tough for the, for this week. Um, well, that remains to be seen. Uh, it depends how soft it is, I guess. And uh, there's a bit of weather coming in over on Saturday, which might soften it up for Sunday. But but prior to that, it's probably going to be uh, reasonably challenging. I know that it was it was fairly wet in the build up to the PGA last year. But when the players arrived there, they and that you read this in a lot of the player comments, they were saying that it was either completely soft and it played as long as you like, or it got firm incredibly quickly. Yeah, and you know I can remember the Sunday where you know those greens were lightning, weren't they? Absolute lightning, and it was really, really hard to keep the ball on the fairway. Yeah. So I think the drainage here is particularly good. The yeah. sub air systems that they've clearly fitted under all of these new eighteen greens are very, very you know must be, it must be cutting edge kind of technology. Yeah, it's just controllable, isn't it? Also worth noting, chaps, that they're actually these new greens that they they. Uh, they pulled out the bag last year, a champion Bermuda grass. So there are various courses on the PGA Tour. Uh, Sedgefield, the home of the Wyndham Championship, TPC Southwind, FedEx St. Jude Classic, uh, Country Club of Jackson, Sanderson Farms Championship, and also the uh, Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail where they played a Barbasol Championship. They are all 
golf courses that feature champion Bermuda grass. Mm. So um, that's one t- potentially to take note of. But yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I mean, I can't see it in any way, shape or form playing to eight under. I think it might have done if it was going to be windy, but it looks like it's going to be relatively calm. You know, we're seeing winds of 10 to 15 mile an hour across Thursday and Friday. Nothing to really trouble these kind of guys. So I, I, I've kind of put it in my analysis that I think we're looking at a mid-score, you know, your typical 13, 14, 15 under getting the getting the job done. Because it is a relatively tough track, you know, it's a classical golf course. It's a major championship hosting course. It's not going to be a pushover unless it's absolutely sopping wet, which it won't be until... No potentially Sunday. So it's I just, think yeah. that kind of that 12, 13, 14 under, you know, a good which tends to produce a very good winner on a very good golf course. Yeah, it's a long track as well, isn't it? You know, there's the, the par 3s are, you know, I think three of them are well over 200 yards. Yeah. Um, but then you have got some scoreable opportunities, a couple of short, well very short par 4s that they can make drivable, can't they? Um, and uh, the, the par fives, oh, the, the key part of the scoring is going to be how you perform around those uh, those par fives. So, uh, so you kind of survive the survive the tough holes and um, attack those uh, those those two short par fours and and the par fives when you get an opportunity to do so. The official PGA Tour scorecard this week is um, it's quoting seven five five one which is 48, 49 yards down on what it played at the PGA last year. They yeah. shortened a couple of the holes. Mm. But yeah, even so, you know, a 7,500 yard par 71, you're looking, that's a rare event on a PGA Tour event. Yeah. You kind of think, yeah, you've, got think, think back, you've, got, you've got to think back to, say, Beth Page Black, which was the 2016 Barclays, or something like the Blue Course at Congressional, which used the Ho Tigers National Tournament. That kind of length we're dealing with here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that they played the par four first, about five twenty, didn't they, for the for the PGA Championship? I remember it being particularly brutal. So um, that's probably one of the ones that they've uh, they've chopped down for this event, I'd imagine. Yeah, if I could find it, I'd tell you, but I can't. <laughs> it's here somewhere in this uh, wreck of a wreck of an office. But yeah. Um, it's going to play slightly shorter, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a a real meaningful test, I think, this week. Any players that I mean, are you look are you guys interested at the top of the market this week, or is it is it your kind of usual strategy where you're going for some value? Do you know I am um, I like the way Ricky Fowler's playing at the moment, but his first week back from a, a break, even if it's a one week break doesn't seem to be his hottest week. He seems to need to like warm up and get into gear. So, you know, I, I, I'd probably, uh, that would make me avoid him this week. I, ha- I have a big eye on him for the US Open. Um, I'm going to start looking at anti-post for there if I can grab if I can grab some value. Keep an eye on that. Um, mm. I, it's been doing some. In, you have you seen the research I've done on that at Shinnecock Hills? Uh, Fowler is one that Fowler is one that's going to jump out of that. Did, did no you doubt. receive my check to give me the research? <laughs> um, the two that I'll be I'll be frank with you. The two names and Paul knows this. The two names that just bang you over the head with a brick when it comes to this year's U.S. Open at Shinnecock. Two names that jump out at me are, are Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson. Well, you know I can get on board with Henrik. 
Yeah. yeah. I've already it's gone li- and and I've already gone anti-post on both of those guys. So um, it's long and linksy, isn't it? So you can see. Yeah, that. it's a it's a proper genuine links golf course. It's it's not on the sea. It's a couple of miles off the coast, but it's it's well revered and well known as um, America's first genuine links golf course. And it was funny because I listened to the Friday podcast last week at Holiday, which is well recommended to anybody. They had a piece on there with Jeff Ogilvy over a couple of hours, and Jeff, you know, he's well worth listening to. Oh, he's brilliant. And he said that he said that Shinnecock is only one of the only courses in the America that are still getting the right balance between um, the old history of the golf course, keeping true to the actual merits of the golf course, and the, and the and the, the actual clubhouse and everything. And he says it's going to be an absolutely amazing US Open this year. Um, yeah, so, no, yeah, looking forward to that. But, yeah, Fowler, you know, we know that he's great at the Open Championship. We know that he's got Link's pedigree. Um, I think a US Open shout is, um, is, is it's something, that, um, something that needs to be looked at. We've, we've it's got interesting what you say. In ter- well, it's interesting what you were saying about Fowler, though, and the fact that he jumped straight, straight from Augusta. If you actually look at that jump, this is the fourth time that they've played it four weeks after the actual uh, Masters. And up until this point, no one has jumped straight from Augusta and won this golf tournament. I think um, Lefty's come close in the past, but he finishes second here seemingly at will. What you tend to find here are players that have either got no form whatsoever, but have played tournaments between... um, Mark the Masters and here, or players that have got that kind of sneaky backdoor form, you know, ninths and tenths, or they did well at Augusta, then they miss cut on an outing in between, and then they come to the four again. Because there's no doubt there's huge similarities between Augusta and here, you know, tree line, scorable, very, very long, fast greens, um, you know, difficult scrambling around those greens as well. So anyway, I interrupted you. So yeah, you were interested in Fowler well, no, at the top, I, but you haven't. Yeah, interested in Fowler, but not this week. Um, no. As as a fan of his, I always love to see him go well. But I just I think he, I think Ricky needs like a tune up event, you know, to get going. And although his record here includes a win and uh, you know a fourth and a sixth, um, it's not one of the best records around here. I mean that that arguably those belong to Rory and Phil. Uh, Phil doesn't have a win here, but has. I mean, more top fives than we've had Sunday dinners, I'd say, mm-hmm. by the looks of it. Rory's got a couple of wins, and they seem to be the two players that stand out in terms of a consistently excellent course form. Everybody else um, doesn't seem to have got it nailed down and has a, has a little bit more of a mix in there like um, in terms of uh, success and failure. So th- that kind of makes it a bit trickier for me to go and pick a player this week uh, because... It's harder to find guys that stand out, I guess. Now, um, I'll just jump into a couple of my picks uh, while I'm talking. So, based on the logic of mixing, uh, trying to learn a lesson from something we got burned with when we were all on Siwoo Kim, that massive choo-choo train, and um, when we did our kind of post-mortem on it and noted that uh, Kodaira was... Um, had an extremely short world ranking versus a an enormous price for his world ranking. Um, I kind of took that logic into play this week and just had a, a scan through the odds, you know, with my eyes. And one stuck out to me quite earlier when I was looking at Bet365, and that was Xander Schofler. Mm. 
Mm. Now, I know Xander Schofa is not a 110 to 1 odds player, and uh, just just to kind of confirm my suspicions on that, I went and checked his world ranking, and he's 29th at the moment. So, for me, I just yeah. I just kind of went with an auto bet. I didn't look too much deeper into it. I just said that's a great that's for me that was a really good value play, and. Uh, you know, looking across the other bookies, he was a lot shorter than that. So yeah, I snapped him up at 110 to one, and you know his, his performances recently haven't been terrible. Um, he's got a reasonable result here. I think 26 is it? Uh, I'll just grab that quickly. 24th last year. So you know, um, I'm I'm happy to take that on. Good value uh, and a decent player. He's long enough, and um, yeah, go with that. Uh, somebody else who I've has been playing very well recently for me and I've been keeping an eye on and had a couple of bets on is Chesson Hadley. Um, he had a miscut here last year, well, last, but that didn't really matter because it wasn't a quail hollow. Um, he did 20th and 11th before, so um, I'm going to jump on him. And the other one, I know we have a crossover pick on, Steve, so I'm going to let you take him when you get to your picks. I do I do have... Who's that? Who's that? Kevin Kisner? No, no, Tony Fino. <laughs> Yeah, Tony. So I do have one other one. I've I've gone for the Sunni suicidal Tony Fee now. He's going to finish eighth bet. Yeah, well, in fact, eighth eighth will be fine this week. Actually, I've got him with Paddy Power. Yeah, but yeah, Fee now's close. There's one other one Um, I'm going to look at when the marker comes up. um, Vaughn Taylor for maybe a top twenty. So I was just scrolling through the 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 mix of uh, you know past form and recent form, and he's a sixteenth two weeks ago in Texas. And, yeah, uh, he's playing sneakily well. He's the 35th, and he was 12th here last year in this event, albeit not at the same course, but, you know, going back to the same sort of area, good vibes, playing okay. And um, rather than take try to take the bomb price and get him to sneak into, a, like, a top eight, I think I'll have a look at the top 20 market and hopefully just uh, make a couple of times my money from that. When Taylor used to be that kind of fringy Ryder Cup guy, um, he always used to come out of the woodwork on longer past 72 kind of con- uh, uh, courses. So if you think Montreux, he won the Reno Tahoe twice there. He's done well at places like Houston in the past. So that kind of, that kind of, t- that, um, that ties in quite well with it. And he's playing sneakily well for him, Taylor. Has he been injured, Steve? Because I'm sure that he kept so. withdrawing from events pre-event, but unless I'm getting yeah. mixed up with someone else. No, I think he's playing. I th- I haven't noticed that. No, there was um, a, there was a stretch between the Honda and uh, the Heritage where he, he missed a few events. But so yeah, but yeah, no, certainly for his kind of overarching form, um, he's, no- he's knocking in a few top twenties, which uh, suggests he's not far away, not far mm. away at all. You do tend to get some bombs getting involved in this. I mean, clearly you had. Um, James Hahn two years ago, didn't we? At mm-hmm. that five hundred to one price point. And do you know? Can you remember who he actually beat? Now he beat Justin Rose, but you know he wasn't a bomb, clearly. But he beat a player who um, was another huge price at two hundred and fifty to one to win that. Mm-hmm. Roberto Castro. Mm-hmm. And then even last year when they played at Eagle Point, you had Smiley Kaufman who got a place at five hundred to one. Kevin Tway was one hundred and ten to one, and Sung Yul No was two hundred and fifty to one. Yeah, so big prices. prices do get involved in this tournament. Mm-hmm. 
It's one of those ones, you always look at it, you go, oh, there's some good players in this, and it's very, very easy for your eyes to get averted to the top five or six. One of those is going to win. But actually, when you go through the results, yes, I understand Tiger Woods won here in 2007, uh, and he probably went off at three to one or something silly like that. Mm. But apart from him, you know, Rory McIlroy, when he won, was 66 to one. It doesn't shout to me from the rooftops that it's going to be a very short price winner this week. And at the end of the day, do we expect it to be that way anyway on the basis that they're playing the Players' Championship Yeah, some week? of the guys are just, just gearing themselves up for next week, which is, uh, you know, for many people, it's the fifth major, isn't it? So it's, it's, it's an important week. See Woo Kim renewal week next week, guys. Mm. 500 to 1 he won that at last yeah. year. Yeah, he won't be that this year. <laughs> Although I mean, he's, he's sure to get a few. I, I guarantee you, you, we'll be sitting here next week recording this, and we'll be shocked at what price is. I I mean, he's certainly due a few extra points after his um, let's say less than stellar putting display down the stretch. Um, I don't know. It's going to take a couple of years for him to get back on the Christmas card list for me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah. Done. I went on holiday to forget all this, Barry. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> you're, you're you're bringing it all you're bringing it all back to me. Talking about form in this this is the form. So I said earlier about this tournament being in this absolute precise point on the schedule. Uh, I think it's four times since 2010. This is the form in of the four guys that have won it. So last year, Harmon, he'd finished uh, 14th at the Zurich Classic the week before in that team event, ninth at Harbour Town. 13th of Bay Hill, so you can see something there. Uh, week, uh, the year before that, James Hahn, missed cut, missed cut, and six more missed cuts. So whoever was on him, they did a very, very, very good job of actually delivering on that. Um, we then go to JB Holmes. He had some form uh, that was quite reasonable coming into the event, which gives you a little bit more hope. He had uh, 11th the week before at... Uh, the Zurich Classic, which back then was just a normal event. So you can see there's a mix there. There's a mix of events whereby uh, players completely out of the blue. And then you've got the likes of JB Holmes and also uh, um, Ricky Fowler did this. He, he uh, finished 27th at the Masters, missed the cut at the at Harbour Town, and then went to uh, the New Orleans event and was 10th. And his putter warmed up that particular week. So that's the kind of angle I'm taking. I'm not the player that's been in my mind. You know, when you're sitting there at the, at the swimming pool and you're chilling out on your on your nice warm holiday, and you you think, well, I've got a week here to think through players' names. The players that kept jumping to the front of my mind was Bryson DeChambeau. But the thing with DeChambeau is his game fits, and we know that he's playing some fantastic golf, don't we? Brilliant at Bay Hill, did very well at uh, uh, last time out at Harbour Town. So he can play these. These different courses, you know, claustrophobic harbour town by the seaside, uh, the wide open confines of Bay Hill. He did very well at TPC Scottsdale, the Phoenix event this year. So you can tell with him, he's an elite player. He can mix his game to different kind of courses. But the fact of the matter, you know, you look at those kind of runs ins of players that have won this in the past. It isn't Bryson DeChambeau who finished second last time that wins this. So I, you know, what I came from the angle of I'm looking for hungry players. I'm looking for players that would want to use this as a real stepping stone from a career perspective, but also players that are playing kind of sneaky under the radar. 
So this is where I got to. I'm going to go in reverse price order. Uh, I've got all of these with Paddy Power um, this week, and, and at the end of the day, they've gone eight places each way of 50 odds. And um, their prices are very, very, very competitive. You know, you, you, they haven't slashed the odds in half to give you those eight places. They really have come at it from a, a very good value perspective this week. Um, if you come to golfbettingsystem.co.uk, there is a uh, a twenty pound or twenty euro risk free bet available for new accounts opened via Golf Betting System. Player one, I'm going for Benny Ann. Point each way seventy to one. You look at Ann; he's playing quite sneaky under the radar, isn't he? Um, sixth uh, this year already at Dubai. Fifth at the Honda Classic, and I like the Honda Classic because you think Ricky Fowler, you think. Uh, Rory McIlroy, they both won at PGA National. 14th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He was a lot closer to the front than that during most of the tournament. And then last time, he was 7th seventh, seventh last time out in singles competition at Harbour Town. And for me, Harbour Town isn't the kind of course that would ideally suit someone of Benny Ann's kind of pedigree. You can hit the ball very high, very long, a great ball striker. But actually, you look at his record in Carolina. He he did well at the PGA Championship here last year. I think he was top 25. Um, he did well at the Eagle Point last year where they played this at that other course. He was in the top seven. He was in the top seven last time, or um, seventh at Harbour Town last time out. And don't forget, of course, you're looking at tree-line golf courses. He won at Wentworth, didn't he? The BMW PGA yep. Championship. So I think Ben Ann is that kind of guy that potentially could get his first PGA Tour title kind of under the radar this week because he is playing sneakily well. And, you know, his ball striking is excellent. The way that he's been scrambling of late has been very, very good. I'm seeing top 22 for scrambling on his last four um, uh, appearances, which is excellent scrambling for him. And I don't see this as being an out-and-out putting test this week. I think it's the kind of course that will suit those that are longer higher ball flights and, and, and can hit plenty of greens but when they miss a green they have the ability unlike a lot of bombers to actually get up and down yeah so for me i, I do like the look of benny ann at a 70 to 1 yeah well that's, don't forget that's... he was um he, he was top 10 going into the weekend at the pga championship last year as well at quail and he'd missed um, his previous two cuts in the us pga so um he clearly stepped forward and enjoyed the course then as well so and another thing you mentioned in your preview is about um, Abu Dhabi and a, a link there to some of the players mm. that perform well. Um, and again, yeah. he's got a cracking record there. He's got three top 13 finishes from four starts at Abu Dhabi. So um, it's yeah. quite, quite a lot to like about Benny Ann, I must say. There's a huge link as well on a PGA perspective, Paul, with TPC Scottsdale. You know, Justin yeah. Thomas has got had a top 20 there. Jay, Jimmy Hahn had finished 16th and 17th there before he won this at that crazy price. But... That kind of undersells him because I think he was like a 54-hole leader there as well in one of those. Mm. Uh, we know JB Holmes has won there twice. Uh, Ricky Fowler, he keeps going close there every single time he plays there. Yep. And we know that Ben Ann, he had a great run there two years ago, didn't he? Or was it? I think it was, no, it was last year, wasn't it? When he was leading up to a sort of cup three or four from the end. Yep. Yeah, he got close, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's, as you said, there's some very nice correlating course form there. Mm. Now, I'm going to go shorter on prices, and I know that won't be where you're at, Paul. So where where are you at at these kind of longer mid-prices? 
Um, where, where, where's, your, where's your interest peaking this week? I've, I've backed four so far today, and I think I, I might not go a great deal deeper than that. And um, the first I backed was Benny Ann, and I, I, I agree with um, everything you said on him. Really, I think he's got a great chance. And the other, the other stat that stuck out to me with Benny Ann is his um, twelfth strokes gained off the tee for the season. Which, in my view, mm. that's one of the key aspects of this. Is um, as you said, it's not a putting competition. Um, you've got the likes of Rory who's won this. It's, it's, it's not all about putting. It's about um, long, straight, and being able to pick up shots by being, um, you know, that that kind of a player who's uh, who, who can uh, who can play a, a strong off the tee game. So, yeah, I like Benny Ann. Um, the one guy that I backed just before we came on air was um, the uh, guy who showed up at the at the Masters as a, an amateur and then. Uh, um, produced a top six finish in Texas on his last start, and that's uh, yeah, Wa- yeah, Joaquin yeah. Joaquin Neiman. Now, yeah, what, yeah. while we were pushing the uh, the preview out earlier, his uh, price came up at two twenty five to one, and that was just yeah. absolutely gobbled up. And um, way I, too big. Yeah, I, I got one hundred and forty, which um, I was quite happy with, um, given that I think he'll go off probably sub a hundred to one. He's going to be very very popular. Um, you know, and we don't know a great deal about him. You know, he's not played enough events to really have formed a, a, a huge opinion on him. But um, you know, for all intents and purposes, everything we hear about him is is um, an incredible talent. You know, at the age of nineteen, he's got a big old uh, career ahead of him. So uh, that Chilean, is, isn't he? He is Chilean. Yeah, yeah, nineteen-year-old Chilean lad. Um, and yeah, you know, to, to finish uh, finish sixth on his first pro tournament um, in Texas on his last start. Yeah, he's. Uh, you know, I think that's worth a risk. Yeah, on, on a golf course that isn't the easiest, is it? No. San Antonio. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it could be completely way off. You might find it doesn't take to the course whatsoever. But I think at the price that's on offer, it's worth um, worth taking the risk on. Um, and going back to a couple, you know, going back to the prices of the players that have won here. You were talking about the likes of Jimmy Hahn and Derek Ernst winning at five hundred to one. Um, I've backed um, Keith Mitchell um, at six hundred and ten. I got on the uh, exchange earlier. Um, and again, you know, he's finished um, second at the Corrales. That's another Fazio design. Uh, sixth at Houston. And okay, the last two or three events haven't really stuck out, but he's one of the longest hitters on the tour. Um, yeah. get, get this, he's got the fastest club head speed of all the players on the tour. If you like a useless mm. fact. Um, he's also quite straight, though, isn't he? He's yeah, long and straight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He isn't Ollie Schneider Jans, long no, no, no. and completely uh, right angles. No. He's actually very straight, Mitchell. Yeah. If you're going back to that strokes gained off the tee, he's tenth on tour for strokes gained off the tee. So you know, and it's generally he's he's amongst the very longest hitters when you you look at an, uh, an event in isolation. I think he's twelfth for driving distance on the tour for the season to date. But you'll often look at his stats, and he will be first or second in a particular event. So clearly, you can put it out there. Um, missed a cut with uh, Stefan Jager last week on the the uh, Zurich, but you know, is, is that of any real consequence? I don't think so. Um, and yeah. uh, you know you're generally getting around two fifties at the bookies. So I, t- I took a little punt on him and the uh, exchange to uh, uh, yeah, just to see if that kind of follows the trend that we've uh, talked about before with these longer price players. Um, I backed him at um, Valero on the exchange. He didn't give me a run for my money, but he wasn't a disgrace at the Valero for no. the very same reason: long and straight. Yeah. Yeah, and I like yeah. that. I'll, I'll probably try and pick up a decent top ten as well, just as a as a backup, and uh, you know let the uh, let, let the outright ride on the exchange and see where that goes. Um, and the other one, following the Jimmy Hahn kind of um, missed cut string logic, um, is Robert Streb. 
Now, Streb's missed nine cuts on the trot. He's playing awfully. And he's just had a baby. Well, he's, his partner's just had a baby, more like. No wonder he's not playing well. <laughs> yeah. Now, you often, you know, we've talked about it time and again, you know, do you, how much credence do you put into this nappy factor um, uh, angle? Who knows? You know, if there's a guy that's going to come out and do something, um, potentially it's Streb. Now, his record here, 23rd, 4th, 28th, um, he's finished in three of his last starts on uh, at Quail Hollow. Um, finished 22nd of the US PGA, PGA Championship last year. So um, clearly he's... Sorry, that's 23rd, 4th and 28th, his, his record here. So he's clearly got some a, some, some form here. 500 to 1 outright he is at the moment. Now, it's, it's a huge punt because he's clearly playing um, very poorly to be missing nine consecutive cuts. But uh, I thought that was worth worth taking on just to see if that uh, history does repeat itself and the, the nappy factor... Uh, kicks in once again, but yeah, they're the, they're the four that I've backed so far today. I could see, uh, yeah, Streb has got a decent course record around here. Mm. I mean, that's the only thing you can say. His, his current form is, is is diabolical, and you on that alone you wouldn't pick him. But then, as you said, James Hahn, he came here and he won off the back of eight consecutive miscuts. Derek yeah, Ernst. It can and do, it can and does mm. happen. Another one, if we if we look talking about bombs, which we clearly are, one that a couple that came to my attention, although they're not as big as yours. I think Patrick Rogers, he's the kind of guy that would just pop up here. He's finished second here in the past, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. And we know that didn't he go to, into the Corrales Championship a few week or a couple of months ago as like a crazy fourteen to one shot. Yep. Uh, he isn't that kind of player, is he? But you could see the like of him popping up and getting in, involved in the action. And you know there's another one that I like, but I didn't find room for him, but I have actually backed him. Sam Burns, again, who kind of fulfills that Joachim Neiman type of role, as in another special young talent who's trying to earn himself a special temporary membership on the PGA Tour. I'm seeing him as big as 150 to 1 with Bet365 or Betfred at the yeah. moment. And we know... He's got, got a bit about him, Burns. Well, we, we, we plunged on him a few weeks ago, didn't we, on the web.com when he won his first professional title. That, interestingly enough, was on a golf course, uh, the Savannah, it was the Savannah uh, Championship, played on a golf course in nearby Georgia, which again featured uh, Celebration Bermuda Grass Fairways and also Bermuda Grass Greens. And interestingly enough, this was the crazy thing that really just jumped out at me when I was doing my research on this yesterday. He beat, in that tournament, one Roberto Castro, <laughs> who finished second. And you, you just think, eh, it's quirky somehow, some of this stuff works out. Yep. But I could see Burns, because we know that he's very powerful off the tee. We know that he's been hitting lots of greens recently. He's a good scrambler. And we also know he's a fantastic Bermuda grass putter. <laughs> so, you know, he did very well at Copperhead, which again, I know it's in Florida, but that's got Carolina connotations, the way that the course is set up. He was fantastic at PGA National when he went, you know, he played in that final round with Tiger Woods and did himself some real, you know, brilliant justice. You could just see Burns getting in the mix, I think, and there's, there's quite a spread of prices on him from 80 to 1 right up to 150. Yeah. No, he's a good player, Burns. He is a good player. I I noticed last time out that Ollie Schneiderjans actually was in the top six or seven for greens and regulations. He could be one that pops up. From you know that first time winner kind of angle player that's been people have been punting on all 2018 and a lot of 2017 hasn't won, 
Um, but he, and then just comes from this kind of comes out from nowhere, 110 to one, and wins. But it's like, and you go, oh, Ollie Schneider, he's a good player, that guy. I can't believe I missed him. Guys, he is, yeah. But like his last, I mean, just looking at his recent results, like he can't seem to get anywhere, even inside the top 30. You know, it's you wonder. Like he's he been had struggling that. with his two to green game. I think last year. If you remember last year, Schneider Jans, he was brilliant from tee to green, but he made some really catastrophic putting performances, didn't he? And then this year, he started really well, but he was putting very well, and not. he seems to have been focusing a lot on the short game, and now he's lost a lot. But I did notice last time out at uh, San Antonio, he was in the top seven for greens in regulation, which would suggest that he's been working a lot harder on trying to hit a lot more green so whether the putter follows that we don't know the only thing again against Shijans is as I said earlier he is very 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 wayward off the tee which you know you can get away with but whether you can get away with it enough or on a course of this uh, difficulty I'm not 100% certain um, shorter prices for me um, guys that I still think are long enough to back but for me they've got some some real uh, desire to do well this week. Webb Simpson, we know that he lives on the golf course. Um, we know that, yeah, he isn't the longest. He isn't your. He isn't what you would put down, you know, on a on a blank sheet of paper as the perfect fit to win this. But then, I, you know, you probably wouldn't have said this, you'd have said the same thing about Andrew Landry a couple of weeks ago when he popped up at two hundred to one. I must say, actually, um, I know that Ben listens. Well done to Ben Coley for tipping that up. That was an absolutely. Fantastic tip at two hundred to one on Andrew Landry. Uh, well deserved that one. Um, Web so yeah Simpson. I just get the feeling you know he's been playing some really nice stuff on Bermuda grass. We know that he lives on the golf course. He must know the course intimately. He's finished second and third here in the past. Yes, he isn't a long bomber, but he's a he's a real technician and he does all you know he does go well on tracks year after year after year. That um, you know he, he returns to these courses and he just does well on them. So that's why I've gone for Simpson, who uh, he was fifth last time out at uh, a Harbour Town. Uh, another player that I really do like look of, and I was really pleased to see him going backwards last night at that Zurich Classic uh, malaise of a tournament. Was Tony Finau, and I know that you're on him as well, Barry, as you said earlier. I just think Fino again, you know, uh, one PJ to a title to his name, but that was a you know Puerto Rico Open. He just plays so well, and his his classical golf course record is fantastic. Torrey Pines, Riviera. He goes to some of the best courses, classical golf courses in the United States, and he's very competitive around them. So I could again, you know, especially after he did so well at Augusta, um, he, the putter was firing so well there as well, and he he. he Amassed, I think it was he was in the top five or six for birdies made that week. So you just get the feeling with Fee now um, that a big win is potentially just around the corner. He's done well at places like Muirfield Village. Um, he's done well at Open Championships in the past. I, I, I like that kind of look with him. But the one that was the first tip that I wrote this week, and for me, he fits the bill very, very, uh, very, very well. And... You were talking about strokes gained off the tee, and this guy currently sits third in the PGA Tour rank yeah. for strokes gained off the tee. He's a ball striker. His um, correlating course form, it's difficult, of course, because we know that he hasn't played a lot in the States. But look at his record. A twice Abu Dhabi winner 
uh, the last two years, and we know that that course correlates amazingly well to the likes of Tiger Woods, Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy. Um, mm. We also know that he played particularly well this year at the Honda Classic, where he was right in the mix up until the last couple of holes, eventually finished fourth. Uh, we know that he did well at Erin Hills last year, a big long golf course that was playing tough. So I'm, I, I think that this could be a breakthrough week on the PGA Tour for one Tommy Fleetwood, who I think has got a great shout this week. I really do. Played really well at Augusta, didn't he? And he yep. got into that third last group. And, you know, he struggled a little bit on the Sunday. But to get there and get right in the mix yeah, shows that, yeah, he's, you he's know that he's a classical, you, you know that he can play well on classical golf courses. Yeah. And he just about got close enough last week not to totally destroy his price for this week. But I know that there are quite a few shrewd judges out there that had gone for that particular partnership of Paisley and Fleetwood at the uh, at mm. the, um, the jury because clearly one great putter, one great ball striker. It almost worked. Yeah. But I think he, he, he made 13 or 14 birdies in that four ball, the two four ball rounds last week. He's in great nick. He's making some putts. So yeah, headline tip for me is Tommy Fleetwood. What are you, what are your thoughts on him, gentlemen? Are you, are you poo pooing that one, or do you think that makes some sense? Nah, he'll be buzzing from last week. We can see how pumped yeah. he was from um, the pe- the finish by Chris Paisley there. That uh, yeah yeah yeah. He just seemed Fleetwood seemed in a really good place in his interview, and yeah, you know, he he's a, he'll just ride that feel good factor into this week. Um, yeah. He's like he's an absolute stud of a player, and it's only a matter of time before he uh, he he does it and you know puts that standout performance on a, on a really impressive golf course. Um, yeah. I, he, he will yeah. he will win a PGA Tour event. Oh, you can see that coming. Absolutely. Um, it was just when you were talking about Fina, but I didn't want to interrupt Steve. I think he he's the kind of guy who will you know get one of those standout. Um, golf course wins. Um, it just it just feels like it's it's coming, and you just hope that uh, we're on the right week. With respect, I mean, take this with respect or not, but you know he was he was leading that tournament last uh, last week after fifty four holes, or he was second. They were second, weren't they? And um, you know he was playing with Daniel Summerhays of all people, and Daniel Summerhays. I think he's like something like 180 something in the FedEx Cup. Yeah, he's playing some outstanding golf fee now. I'm not saying that he dragged them around and basically was playing on his own in that, but he's clearly playing some outstanding golf right now. And I know that you know people get very frustrated with him, but I've noticed recently he's turned around his par five performance as well. He's making a lot of birdies on the par fives all of a sudden, where previously he was he was. playing well on, say, the par fours and making a complete hash of the par fives. So that seems to have reversed itself and that obviously is is, is a very um, great uh, skill to have. The yes, 12 the looks at par fives they're going to have. Yeah, yeah. I think those 12 looks at par fives this week are going to be absolutely vital. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think Finau's got a great chance this week. Yeah, I can see that. Anything else to add? No, all good. All good, I think. Looking forward to it this week. Yeah, ready for it. Um, just no walk-up music, please. <laughs> I think I... Well, I was away, but I watched about 20 minutes of it last night, and it, it's just... That tournament just doesn't do anything for me at all. It's not, I just, a, not a betting event. Not for me. 
And the fact they get full FedEx Cup points is just crazy. But no OGR, OWGR points. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? It's very, very strange. It's, it's very strange. But uh, yeah, it's a good little, good little slice of golf next couple of weeks with this and, of course, the players next week. And then uh, we've got the week after that, the Byron Nelson, which has moved golf courses. That's gone to that kind of... they built a... It's very inland linksy. Uh, yep. On a uh, an old you know an old rubbish tip just outside of Dallas, and that's a uh, core and Crenshaw design. You know Pinehurst Number Two. Mm. Uh, they've just done the Shinnecock uh, redes- uh, renovation as well. That golf course next week, uh, two weeks time, looks absolutely fantastic. It really does look like um, a, a kind of PJ Tour golf course that we've never seen before. Yep. So that's another golf tournament to look forward to in a few weeks' time at the Byron Nelson. Thank you for your time, gentlemen, as always. I hope that your bets go well, and thank you to all listeners. Uh, we will see you again next week, of course, for the fifth major, although it isn't, but yeah, the Americans call it that, the Players' Championship. Thanks for uh, listening, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Cheers.